There are moments when it feels like time stands still. But when those moments turn into days, months, years, we start to wonder if life will ever begin again. It is written that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Now is the time. Hello. Good morning. Uh, it's great to see you all. Uh, it, it's great to be here. It's great to be back. It, there's, it's like familiar and like weird, you know. Um, but my name is Lem Yusita, and if I've not met you, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to meet you. Um, I used to work here, and then I went down to Carlsbad, California, and we started a college at a church, and then um, I came back. And so I've, I'm now the executive director of, of the FERS out at Lake Whatcom. Any of you know the FERS? Yeah? Yes? All right. Yeah, I, I get to oversee that now. Um, thank you for having me, by the way, and thank you, Grant, for uh, letting me speak this morning. Um, I, 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 I want to talk about the FERS a little bit. I asked if I could, and he said I could. So <laughs> I, started, I started at the FERS about six months back, and I can't tell you like how amazing it is to get to work with kids and teens in a bunch of churches where they can come together to experience the love of Jesus. And this past, this past week, we had over 500 kids and teens. Uh, they were at Firwood, and then we had about 150 of them at uh, Fir Creek, and then there's a bunch of them at the retreat center. And, and you guys, there's this huge need in Whatcom County for for kids and teens to experience the love of Jesus in the community where they can be accepted and cared for. So uh, for those of you that still have juniors, we have some spots at Furwood. Shameless, like I'm plugging, you know. Uh, we got some spots at Furwood for, for juniors, and our middle school is pretty much full, and we got some spots for our high school uh, camp if you guys are still interested. So if, if you want to get rid of your kid, I mean, if you want to send them to camp where they can know the love of Jesus in a safe environment and meet other people and get pulled behind uh, a boat on a tube, then I'd love to talk to you. I have a couple of uh, 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 camperships, scholarships that are available. And if you're a high school student or a college student that are looking for uh, some... Uh, some opportunities we got. We still need some counselors over at Furwood, and so I would definitely love to talk to you as well. And last thing, if you have a college-age student that doesn't quite know what to do with their life, uh, I, I for sure want to talk to you. I have an opportunity for you uh, to gain some real-world experience, receive some Bible training, some leadership development, all within a discipleship community. Uh, I'd love to give you some of that direction, and I'd love to talk to you after the service. Um, but before we continue on, will you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me? Lord God, thank you for the opportunity that we get to once again feast on your words. Lord, will you speak to us this morning? Will you please speak to us corporately and individually? Lord, speak to our hearts, but also speak to us and show us the actions that are necessary after hearing and looking closely, Lord, at your words. I pray that you, uh, I, I pray, Lord, that we would all hear from you this morning. Lord, thank you for loving us, and we love you. Lord, make yourself real to us this morning. Amen. 
So we continue our series, Now is the Time, from Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. And then my phrase today is a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And I want to start with a couple of observations about this phrase, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And this is, uh, this is a poem about time. And I read one commentary that said, it's safe to say that commentators throughout the centuries have found that this pair, the most puzzling of the catalog of times in Ecclesiastes 2, uh, uh, chapter 3, 2 to, 18, 2 to 8. So in the whole time poem, this, this pair that I get to talk about today, like, uh, is the most puzzling of all of them. And it's clear that no one knows for sure, according to the commentary. And I'm glad I get this phrase, and, and, and I want to share some observations about this passage, and then, then I want to walk you through what it means to embrace, and then I want to walk you through what it means to refrain from embracing, and then I, I, I have an application that I want to share with you. Now, what's interesting is that we've just gone through a time where we had to rethink the embrace. You know, we just walked through a season where we were just trying to figure out if we were, we were going to hug or not hug. Do you, guys, do you guys remember? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Where, where an embrace became like this thing, you know, where you like did the forearm thing or like the weird elf. I didn't do that. That was like so weird. That's what embrace became. And let's face it, it doesn't quite communicate the same thing as an embrace does. But we just went through this interesting time where we had to rethink it. This embracing phrase in the passage is, is found in the middle of 14 phrases about in, in, in this poem about time. And, and the phrases were written originally in Hebrew, in a poetry style. And I want to review a few things uh, that come before and after this poem. Right? In the beginning, it starts with, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. And I want us, as we listen to this phrase, as we listen to these words, I want us to keep in mind that idea of a season. A season is not forever. It's something that you enter into, and then it's something that you exit out from. And then the fact that there are seven pairings in this time poem... Like, this, the number seven and the seven pairings would have signified some completeness or everythingness to this thing, right? So in Hebrew consciousness, this, the number seven meant completeness, and it, it would have stood out to them. And then when you go to the end of the poem, the teacher writes that all of this toil is a burden to all humans. But that God has made everything beautiful in his time. That he has set eternity in our hearts, verse 11. And then he says that no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now, I love that line. 
if this is the one of the hardest of all of the phrases from the last couple of centuries you know like i've studied this thing and i've written out some stuff and i'm pretty confident in what i'm about to say but this line tells me that i'm not even going to come close i can't even fathom the goodness of what this passage has for us because our thoughts are not his thoughts and neither are our ways his ways, says the lord in isaiah 55 8 so when you look at this time poem you find this poem sounding like a song right there's a rhythm and a cadence to this poem but this line in the poem has more words in it it has more words than all the other pairs and it kind of messes up the rhythm you know this this would have stood out when one was reading it in the original consequently it also uh, it also kind of stands out in the turn 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 song by the birds you guys you guys know the song a time you may embrace they had to add that extra line a time to refrain from embracing it doesn't fit the rhythm they had to add these extra things in order to make it work it's the only pair in all of the phrases that doesn't have an antonym or an opposite as the pairing it simply says embrace and then refrain from embracing all the other ones mention a thing and then the opposite of the thing or the antonym this would have stood out to the original readers of this poem so keep all of that in mind and let's get into this phrase a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing after studying and poring over the text and reading commentaries and checking out all the Hebrew words, the words for embrace in the original is embrace. <laughs> to, you know, sometimes you study a word and it's like, this one just, embrace means embrace. To greet one another, to take hold of, to surround or envelop, to encompass to contain or to confine it's easy to do this with people that you like it's easy to take of take a hold of someone that you like and it's easy to invite them in it means that you're in and that you're included now when i first thought about this this phrase and and as i was thinking about an embrace um uh and, and embraces being included it the first thing that came to mind was my father-in-law, Carl. Now, he's Hungarian, okay? It's, yeah, he's Hungarian. And so I got married a few months a, ago to a, a, to a Hungarian. And now I got a bunch of Hungarians in my life, okay? I got a whole family of them. And the father-in-law grew up in Hungary, but he, he spent most of his life here in the, in the States. And he's very much still Hungarian. Like, he still's got the accent, which... I'm not going to copy because I know he's going to watch this. <laughs> Hi, Carl. And he's got a bunch of wisdom. And early on, he would tell me, there's only two kinds of people in this world. Hungarians and those that wish they were Hungarians. <laughs> hey, there's, there's a similar phrase that they say up in the land of Linden. You guys know this phrase? <laughs> if you ain't Dutch... You ain't much. <laughs> so here I am. I wish to be Hungarian. I also ain't much. But what it demonstrates to me is that 
is that there's this thing that you're not a part of, right? That you're not Dutch and you're not much and that you're not Hungarian, but you wish you were. Or that you're not a Christian. Or you don't have an iPhone, you know? <laughs> you know when you get those green text messages? You know, I sometimes get annoyed at like, you know, Android users, you know what I'm saying? You're like, they're not in, you know what I mean? But in, an embrace, an embrace brings you into the thing, right? And I've been embraced by my father-in-law, Carl. And he's welcomed me to the family. I mean, he didn't literally get up from the table when I was asking if I could marry his daughter. He's just, welcome to the family. That's not how he sounds, but <laughs> he's got an accent. So, so I was included. I was embraced into the family. I'm in. The word embrace means to hold on to, to clasp your hands around. It's quite simple. And whether it's a child or an idea or a new family member or something that God has for you, to embrace means to hold on to it, to clasp on, to invite into. Now, there are a few verses that talk about this idea of embracing or letting one into the thing. Uh, there are a bunch of examples in the New Testament, but I just want to share three. So the first one, the first example is out of Matthew 28, 18 and 20. And you guys know this is the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We are commanded to go into the world and share the gospel. And we're commanded to invite people in, into the way of Jesus and living this Christian life. And we're the ones that are commanded to go and embrace those that may not know the gospel. You and I get the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel to those that need it. And there's so many people that need to know the good news of Jesus. This good news gives us the hope and gives us the answers for all the questions that come up in life. And so for those of you taking notes, we get to embrace people into this Jesus way of life. Now here's another verse that talks about how we get to invite people into this Jesus way of life. Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so what it means for us is that we will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and we'll be witnesses in Bellingham, in Linden, in Whatcom County, Washington State, the U.S., and the rest of the world. We get to embrace those that don't know the gospel and let them in. We get to embrace all kinds of people, and we're commanded to do so. But here's the next example. We, we are also commanded to love one another. We get to embrace one another. We get to love one another. We can only know love because God first loves us in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. He commands us to love one another as he loved us. John 15, 11, and 12 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. He even says, by this all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, verse 35. 
So we get to embrace one another. We get to love one another. It's what we're called to do. But this whole loving one another, embracing one another, um, sometimes we're not that good at it. You know what I'm talking about? As Christians, we can tear each other down instead of embrace each other. The easiest place to see this is on, is on social media. Christians arguing about who's right and how the other person is wrong, slinging Bible verses at brothers and sisters to prove a point. And there's a ton of harsh words on display. We're not called to that. So maybe we don't agree on the thing, but we get to embrace, we get to love one another and show each other empathy and humility. We're called to love one another, and in doing so, all will know that we are disciples of Jesus. We get to represent Jesus in the way that we love each other. Now, I'm not saying that we can't disagree. It's possible to have healthy dialogue and conversations. And after seeing some of the conversations this week on social media, I have friends on both sides that need an embrace. Some are hurting and some are angry, and they just need, they just need to embrace each other. Because God even says in, in Matthew 5, 33 to, 45, oh, 43 to 45, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, this is Jesus talking, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteousness. It doesn't matter. We are all even called to love our enemies. This idea fits in the concept of a time to embrace. It means that we should embrace our enemies. Um, earlier in Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. If you're taking notes, we get to embrace our enemies. So these are some of the ways that we get to embrace. We get to embrace and invite people into this Jesus way of life. We get to embrace and love one another as Christians. We get to embrace and love our enemies and those that falsely say all kinds of evil against you and because of you, because of him. There's this idea that says what you embrace and who you embrace will impact you. That embracing a thing or a person will change you and it'll make you grow. When a parent hugs their child, there's this connection that happens that, that not only changes the child, but it changes the parent. Have you ever seen a newborn being held by their mom? You can see the connection and the growth and the changing that's happened. Because embracing and hugging is this act of taking someone in and connecting with them. And something happens when you embrace. Now, I wanted to look it up like, you know, what's, what's scientifically, psychologically, or physiologically. Like, what happens to you when you embrace someone? And this is what I found. The small secret of the embrace is that we, that it has a wide range of positive physiological and psychological effects. For instance, it increases trust and confidence. It reduces anxiety, fear, and pain. 
it boosts the immune system and elevates and alleviates uh, the aftermath of stress. It goes on to say that an embrace means closeness and warmth. It reinforces connection. It affords a sense of safety and improves the intensity of two people's sense of belonging together. And embrace is also a form of communication. With it, we may express things that we're not able to put in words. In essence, embracing tranquilizes the soul. And for a few moments, it's able to make us forget the things and the problems around us, which trigger numerous physical and psychological benefits. And so the thing that I want you to take away from an embrace and what an embrace does for you, an embrace has the power to change you. An embrace has the power to change you. It has the power to chill you out. It has the power to connect. It has the power to bring you together. Now, how about this idea of refraining from embracing? What does this mean? If the word embrace means to hold, to clasp, to surround, or to contain, then to refrain from embracing uh, just means to not hold, to not clasp. To not surround, to not contain. It means to let go. Uh, the, original, uh, the original meaning is to widen or create distance from. To recede or to remove. Again, this is, this is the only phrase in the poem that doesn't have like an opposite. It just simply says embrace and then refrain from embracing. Uh, uh, the, all the other ones have like the thing and then the opposite. So... When are we supposed to refrain from embracing? When the relationship or friendship doesn't serve you well. That's the first thing that came to mind, right? I'm not going to just not embrace these people because I don't like them. You know what I mean? Like breaking up with a toxic partner, unfollowing a friend on social media, or letting go of that emotionally draining friend. And you know how that goes. If you don't have any emotionally draining friends, you're that emotionally draining friend. <laughs> so refraining from embracing is this idea of letting go and having some distance. And, but letting go is sometimes not easy, right? I've worked with college students throughout the years, and it's pretty, it's pretty easy to spot the parents that haven't quite let go of their kid, you know? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like the helicopter parent, they're, like, they're always constantly checking up on their kid and calling and like, hey, how's it doing? There's always a few of them because letting go is not easy. It's hard. There's also this idea of letting go of a relationship that no longer serves you or drains you. You know what I'm talking about? Because we all have that friend, you know, that friend for whatever reason, they just can't let go. And I think that some of you are in a season where you need to refrain from embracing and you need to let go. But refraining from embracing takes discipline and it takes work. Now there's a ton of scriptures that speak to all of this. The first one that came to mind was Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in a way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. There's this idea of staying away from wicked, the sinners, 
the mockers. It's a good thing to stay away from those that are, but it takes discipline to do it because sometimes they're funny and sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's comfortable. There are things that we need to remove and let go of. There are things that we need to refrain from embracing. Now, I I have two examples from 1 Corinthians 7. Now, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 7, in the first two verses, it says, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. And when it comes to a husband and wife, first of all, husbands, you shouldn't just go embracing anybody. When you move into that relationship, it just serves you well to refrain from embracing other women. Let go. It's in the scriptures. And then later on in the scriptures, in verse 5 and 6, in the same passage, it takes refraining one step further. In verse 5 it says, Do not deprive each other, this is the husband and wife, do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. There is this refraining from embracing that is by mutual consent for a season so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. You refrain by mutual consent and then you refrain from embracing your wife so that you can embrace God. And there's this thing that happens when you refrain from embracing someone or something that allows you then to embrace someone or something else. And this takes discipline. Refraining from embracing means that you might embrace something else. You can refrain from embracing your wife by mutual consent for a time so that you could better embrace God. And much like embracing And refraining from embracing, both of these things do something to you. First of all, it takes discipline and sometimes courage to refrain from embracing. And when you start to let go, you have to put yourself in a space where you can refrain from embracing. And then it'll impact you. It'll change you. So the point that I want you to take away from refraining from embracing is when you refrain from embracing... It also has the power to change you. So both things, embracing and refraining from embracing, they both have the power to change you. One draws you closer and the other puts distance between you and someone or something. Both can be helpful, but both have the power to change you. Now interestingly, consequently, embracing a thing that you're not supposed to can also change you. And not refraining from the thing that you're not supposed to, that can also change you. So what do I do, Lem? When am I supposed to embrace? And and when am I supposed to refrain from embracing? Here's the answer. I don't know. I don't know. I cannot tell you when it's time to embrace. I cannot tell you when it's time to refrain from embracing. Like some of you are huggers, you know, you're just so huggy, and some of you aren't huggers. 
I, I, I don't know who you're secretly embracing. I don't know if you need to leave a job. I, you might need to reach out to some friends this week that just need an I, I don't know. I, I, and, and I don't want to give an application to you and, well, Lem said I need to embrace, so I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't have a neat application like we got from Grant last week to take stones of kindness and grace and put them in the fields of the enemy so that none of the bitterness and evil... Man, he's so good. There's a bunch of us in this room that need to embrace more. There's a bunch of us in this room that need to refrain from embracing something or someone. Some of us need to embrace in one area and refrain from embracing in another area. Now, if I had time to spend with each one of you, we could talk through, through it, and, you know, and like I would ask you some questions and then I could tell you, oh, you should embrace this and refrain from embracing this. But there's, there's not enough time to do that. But there is someone that could help you do that. James 1 verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. You can ask God and he will give you wisdom. God can give you the wisdom of knowing what and who to embrace and what to refrain from embracing. I've had some of these conversations with you. I used to work here, right? And, and pastor on call, we would get these calls. And I tell you, weekly, someone walks into this building to talk to a pastor about whether they should stay in their marriage or what they should do about the child that walked away from their faith. And a lot of them want to just refrain from embracing them when their children need you to hold on to them. Or what should you do, you know, about this relationship that ended that you can't seem to let go of. Or maybe you're entering into a relationship that's not that good. Or maybe you're just around family members that just keep hurting you. Like, I don't know what the situation is. All of these situations require you at some level to embrace a thing and refrain from embracing something else. And I don't know where you are in this relationship. You might need to refrain one thing in order to embrace the good thing. The poem demonstrates that it isn't always neat and you can't always be in control. The poem also encourages us with the fact that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity. And that season might take a while, but it's not forever. The main theme in Ecclesiastes is that all of this is vanity, a mist, it's meaningless, but it's only that way without God. And after the poem, in verse 12 and 14, it says this, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift of God. And I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. If you lack wisdom, ask God. It'll be given to you. Now, as we listen to this last song, I want you to take the time to process through who and what you need to embrace.
and who and what you need to refrain from embracing. Like as I was talking, things came up in your mind and in your heart. And as we sing this last song, I want you to just take a moment and ask God for wisdom. He will give it to you. Will you pray with me? Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises in it. Thank you, Lord, for this wisdom that you give us about a time and a season, how we can enter into a season. And Lord, some of us are in a season and a time for embracing. And Lord, give us the wisdom to choose and embrace the good thing. And Lord, some of us are in a season to refrain from embracing. God, will you also give us the wisdom and help us to know the thing, Lord, that we need to refrain from embracing. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for how you bless us. Speak to us as we listen to this song.